lovely to see you and uh, lovely to be here. I don't know what your understanding uh, and background with the Christian story is or this Easter story. Um, I, I don't assume anything. Uh, but it can be is an interesting thought that I had as I thought about this. And that is, I don't know if you ever thought about this. Why is this story of a suffering, dying Jew... Why has this become the central story of our culture? Why has it changed the world like 2,000 years later? Why is that so powerful? And as I thought about it, I thought it's because the story resonates so deeply and powerfully with life as we know it and makes sense of life as we know it. Let me explain what I mean. Uh, there are two things you and I need to succeed or flourish in any area of life. Okay, first one, you need to suffer. Another way of explaining suffering is you need delayed gratification, don't you? If you're going to accomplish anything of any worth in life, what you've got to do is master the suffering of delaying immediate gratification for a future good. You know that. Uh, Joel's been playing beautiful music for us today. Do you think that his skill on the keyboard came without uh, the suffering of delaying the instant gratification of doing other things so that he could learn scales and learn how to play and immerse himself in that work? Of course not. Now, we reap the benefit of his suffering, but he had to suffer. He had to sacrifice in order to achieve the, the level of, uh, of, of wonderful playing that he has. It's, it's true in everything. You want to learn a language. You've got to delay gratification. It's true in our relationships. So we think beyond just skill acquisition. Think about our relationships. Like if you want a healthy relationship, It's going to involve suffering. And the particular suffering of delaying the gratification of getting your own needs met. Why? So that you can meet the needs of the other person. What's it like? What sort of human being exists? What do we call the person who has no capacity for delayed gratification? an infant, a newborn, a baby. And, and some people never learn. And they sabotage themselves and they sabotage their relationships. They sabotage their lives because they won't pay the price for glory. They won't pay the price now for future greatness. But you don't just need sacrifice, uh, the, the sacrifice and suffering of delayed gratification, you also need uh, submission to reality. You need submission to a reality beyond yourself. Here's what I mean. Uh, we'll go back to Joel's piano playing because it's such a wonderful object lesson. Uh, 
For Joel to become an expert on the piano, he had to submit himself to the reality of how music works. What are the intervals and the scales that are appealing in our culture? How do you arrange that music? How do you organize the notes so that you hit a chord that works? I mean, of course, if you don't do that, you, you play jazz, but um, how do you, you, you have to submit yourself to this thing that's outside of yourself. And, and the path of submission to reality beyond yourself is actually the path to glory, to flourishing, and to freedom. Uh, I don't know if you've ever watched um, a figure skater on ice. Uh, incredible athletes who do triple axles and all kinds of extraordinary jumping up and down and, and they just flow and it's extraordinary the effortless freedom they have on the ice. Where's that freedom come from? The freedom and the glory of a mastered skill like that is from the sacrifice, but then also from the submission to the discipline to the nature of ice, to the nature of their bodies, to the nature of the competition. You can't just freeform it. You can't just do whatever you like. You, you have to submit to reality as it is. Uh, reality, as my favorite philosopher Dallas Willard says, is what you run into when you're wrong. It's there. And to live well within reality, we must submit to it. Again, if you, <coughs> if you think beyond skill acquisition to relationships. That is so true. To be in a healthy relationship is to submit yourself to the reality of the other person as they are. Not how you want them to be, not how you demand that they be, but as they are. In any environment, whether it's at work or in your neighborhood, with your child, with your parent, in, in a marriage or intimate partner relationship, to make a relationship work, you've got to, you've got to submit to them as they are. And that's hard. I remember hearing a psychologist, uh, Arch Hart, talk about his marriage. And he was, I, I heard him on tape many, many years ago. At the time he did these lectures, he was probably six, mid-60s, so very young. And um, he... Uh, he was talking about the process in his relation in marriage in relationships of transference and countertransference and projection. That is, that you you are in a relationship and you love you love someone for what you want them to be, what you project onto them, what you think they ought to be. And he said, in his marriage, it took thirty years for him to let go of the transferences and the projections onto his wife and to learn to love her as she actually was, not as how he wanted her to be or needed her to be. And it was a lifetime of, of, of unpeeling the unconscious and subconscious layers of his own demand for her to be what she needed to be for him so that he could actually love her as she was. And I remember thinking, oh, there's something wrong with him. Sounds a bit awful. Yeah, 27 years of marriage, 
And I'm starting to glimpse that that's the truth, that actually submitting ourselves in our relationships in life to the person as they are is the prerequisite of love. And it's the path of glory. And it's really hard to do. Sacrifice, suffering, and submission in all of life are the path to glory. Now, our biggest problem is, well, we have many problems. One of our problems is none of us like sacrifice and none of us like submission. We want to feel good now and we want to be in control of our own lives. And how's that working for us? To varying degrees, we struggle with that. Now, uh, what, if you, what if you step back and think about ultimate reality and uh, reality beyond just these immediate relationships? Is there, if, if I have to, if in every other area of my life, I have to suffer and submit, is there something I need to suffer for and submit to that, that captures the whole of me, the essence of me, the future me? Or another way of putting it, is there an ultimate reality that I need to suffer for and submit to? And that, well, and I, I think there is, you see, in all of our, in every human culture, in every human heart, when you, when you question long enough, you go, there is a sense that there is an ultimate reality to which we are accountable. And that is the, the path of glory. And if we connect with that reality uh, and we, we find our way to it and we submit to it, then we'll, we'll have the good life, the perfect life, the wonderful life. Okay. That's what we... That's what we tend to think. That's there. Now, now we, we give it a name, don't we, that ultimate reality in, in, in many cultures. In our culture, we, we call it God. In, uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous, we call it a higher power. In Islam, we call it, well, God. <laughs> Allah, it's just the Arabic for God. Uh, you might call it Nirvana. You might call it Enlightenment. You might call it the ground of our being if you're a mid-century continental philosopher. It's God. There's something there now. Okay, so let's cycle back. Why is this Jesus story so significant for us? Well, when you go to the Garden of Gethsemane, you see in the story the true ultimate archetype of humanity, the path to glory not just at a human level, but at an ultimate level of the connection with the divine, with the ultimate. Okay, what do I mean by that? Well, what does the story in the Garden of Gethsemane show us? Well, it says there's God himself become a perfect human. And in this garden and in this Easter story, what is this God doing? Two things. Suffering and submitting. This is what Jesus does. He knows. <coughs> he knows that there is a path to glory. He knows there is, and the glory is the healing and the, and the restoration of all of reality in the whole world. 
And so he suffers in the garden of Gethsemane. He prays, he's in agony. He knows, thank you so much. And that's beautiful. It's a very little glass in hope. In hope that it'll be a short talk from here on. <laughs> no, look at that thing. Yeah, shot glasses. Um, thank you so much. <laughs> um, Jesus suffers. He delays gratification. And what is the, he says, I will delay, I will actually, I'll not just give up a bit of pleasure now. He says, I'll give up my life. I'll give up everything now to heal the world for future glory. I mean, this is why it's so powerful because Jesus is delaying gratification, not just in this archetypal true myth, this story at the heart of our culture. He's giving up not just his life for his glory. The Bible says he's delaying his own life for you and for me, for the healing of all of reality. He suffers in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prays and he agonizes, and it's like his sweat, his tears come like blood. There's such agony. You know, that's why it's so powerful. It resonates. We know that's we know that there's no glory without sacrifice, and we know that at an ultimate level, I don't want to pay that price. I want to hold on to my life. I want pleasure now. I want things to work for me now. I, I struggle to give up gratification for myself, let alone for those I love, let alone for my enemies. But that's what Jesus does. And then he submits. He says, not my will, but yours be done. He says, I will trust my Father in heaven. I will trust God with my life. And I will recognize that, and, and this is the conversation Jesus is having with God. He's saying, I don't really want to go through this. Is there any other way? Is there any other way, Father? Because quite frankly, the whole being tortured, being crucified, being separated from you, being just disintegrated as a being in the most horrendous way possible, the whole absorbing the evil of the world onto myself. That, there's got to be another way. And his father says, there is no other way. And Jesus says, okay, not my will, but yours. You see, the story resonates and is so powerful because we all know that for true greatness, to actually connect with the divine, to connect with God. We need to be willing to give up our lives, lay them down to sacrifice, and we need to be able to submit to God perfectly. We need to be able to say to God, not my will, but yours be done. You know why the Jesus story is so powerful? Because we know he's the only human who's ever done that, and we know that we can't. I mean, if I asked you, even this morning, how many of you here, even this morning, have perfectly submitted 
every thought, every word, every deed to the will of God. How many of us have lived perfectly in sync with God this morning without any deviation, not a, not a hint of selfishness? How, you know, do you think you'd be able to? Yeah, I, I've done that. I doubt it. Not if you've been around another person, particularly if you've had kids. And how many of us are willing to delay gratification and, and put our interests secondary to future glory, not just of ourselves, but of others, and not just of others we love, but of others even who are our enemies. And so the reason this story is so powerful is because we know that's the path to God, the path to glory, and we know in our heart of hearts we can't get there. And then we go, but there is a one who has got there. There is someone who has done that. And thank God for that someone. Because the mystery and the, the marvel of Christianity is that Jesus' sacrifice and submission was not done just for his glory. It was done for ours. He did that precisely because you and I just fail so often and so tragically at every level. We have an ineluctable tendency to mess things up because we want to do things our way and we want pleasure, glory, joy now. We, and that mucks up everything to varying degrees. And thank God for Easter because Easter tells us there is a one who has lived perfectly so that you and I can have a life that won't be mucked up by our own independence and failure to delay gratification that's why it's so powerful. Jesus surrendered himself to God, submitted to God because you and I wouldn't. And here's how it changes us. When I look at what Jesus has done for me, there I find the power to, in, I find two things. I find forgiveness for my stuff ups and the power to start to walk in his way. I find there the power to start the journey of sacrificing myself to God and to others for long-term glory and submitting to his will, surrendering to him. God served you so that you could find ultimate life by serving him. That's how it works, right? So what does that mean practically? Well, surrender, submit, find your life and your freedom and your joy in acknowledging, acknowledging you can't do this life without God, that you muck it up, that, that, that you, you find it impossible to actually sacrifice. You find it impossible to submit to him, but you desperately need to. So admit that and then beg him to have mercy on you and thank him for what he's done for you in Jesus. And then start every day. First thing you should say when you get out of bed is, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And the last thing you should do before you go to bed at night is think back on the day and go, hmm, on a scale of one to 10, with one being, I pretty much just did what I wanted to do, even when it messed things up, and 10 being I was completely in sync with God's will, <laughs> how would I rate my day? And then you wake up the next day and you start again. You say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And then you, that's... You know. Now, of course, you might think, uh, and this is a good thought, by the way, uh, 
you might think, hang on, Mark, this whole story, this whole construct depends on it being true, <laughs> on there actually being a God that will reward the submission and the sacrifice. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, I'm not sure there is a God. That's a good question. So if that's you, because I've only got a small glass, I can't answer that question. <laughs> I can't help you completely this morning. But we run a course here called Alpha. And, uh, and if you want to, that is designed to help people who are interested to think about these questions and grapple with this. And what I'd, what I'd love you to do is on the 15th of May, I think there's a slide up there, Keelan, under notices. We're having a dinner here in church. We're going to run Alpha on a Sunday night, uh, five till seven uh, here in the church. We're going to do, it's, it'll be like a church. There'll be music and dinner and a, a video presentation or talk and small groups. And so if you or someone you know is thinking, I'm not sure there's a God, and this Easter stuff sounds good, but I'm not sure I want to find out more. Come to dinner and uh, bring a friend to dinner. And there's no obligation. The dinner's on us. Uh, it's going to be wonderful. There'll be food and wine and nibbles and a talk and small groups. And you can just taste and see and then decide after that, oh, I might like to investigate this a bit more or I might not. Um, Sunday nights, uh, we're going to run that. Uh, for term two, starting on May the 15th. Uh, the slide will be up after church. It's on our website, on our socials, and you can just scan the QR code to let us know you'd like to come to dinner. And it's on us. So there's that. And then the second thing is if you go, no, I get the whole God thing. I, I, I get that. I'm, Mark, I, I'm probably, I want to deepen my connection with God. In term two as well, we're running a pilgrimage for the whole church uh, based on, to help us develop and grow our passionate connection with God to deepen our experience of God. And that's coming up. There's a slide for that. Um, we're going to be exploring over five weeks our unique spiritual styles. And there's a test to do and book to read. All our small groups are going to track along that. And it's an invitation to draw deeper into God and discover more and more of God and how you naturally connect with God as he's wired you up. And again, the slide will be up on rotation. It's on our website and socials. And you can scan the QR code to register your interest. So that's coming up. And um, I'd be delighted to talk with you about either of those. So let's pray now. And uh, then we'll move into uh, the Lord's Supper. Lord Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice and your submission. Done painfully, but willingly not just for your glory, but for ours. You chose not to save yourself so that you could save us. You gave yourself for us. Now work in our lives so that we will give ourselves to you and to others. That we will walk your path of suffering, sacrifice and submission in trust and obedience to you on the road to glory. And we ask this in your name, Lord.